Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. everybody and welcome to another episode of yo mtg taps i'm joey pasco and i'm big head joe and welcome to 2020 yeah. we should have introduced ourselves as hugh downs and barbara walters i guess huh oh. <laughs> totally missed that it did, didn't <laughs> um so yeah it's been a few weeks since our last episode as always um and we've got a lot to talk about i think the the main things we're going to talk about are some uh, some stuff in Pioneer, and then some cool new Theros Beyond Death previews that we're uh, we're excited about. So, um, those are our, our main topics. Um, no doubt. Uh, so, it's interesting. So, um, you know, you and I started this podcast, and kind of like the premise was, and still kind of is, we just want to talk about magic like with each other and record it and put it on the, on the internet, you know, like <laughs> that's kind of like the deal. Yeah. So it's so weird. Um, we have our, our Discord server, which is for patrons. Shout out to all our, our patrons on, on Patreon. Um, patrons! Uh, uh, yeah, that was a perfect, perfect <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, so, so we have our Discord server and like we're all just constantly talking in there. So it's really weird. I'm like, what do I want to talk to Joe about that I haven't already like posted in our Discord? Um, so, well, so the good news fun, is yeah. I miss like a day at a time of the Discord. So uh, yeah, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you haven't seen. Yeah, that's that's true. Maybe I'm. Uh, you know, we we uh, fluctuate our levels of activity uh, at, at different you know on different days and things. So that makes sense. But uh, but it was just kind of funny. I'm thinking like. You know, like, what do we want to talk about, or have we? Am I just going to be rehashing things I've already said to you? You know, and then it becomes kind of weird. Like, you know, are we? Are we I, I don't know. You, you get what I'm saying. But yeah. Anyway, uh, so so pioneer. Uh, we we had no changes on the band list yesterday. Um, it's Tuesday morning. Yesterday, uh, 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 no changes. You said banned. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but I'm just banned using is I, yeah, the word, the word band is banned from this episode outside of this announcement that there are no changes. So uh, so that was that's great i think we're both on board with that i think pioneers like in a great place right now yeah um, i agree i agree and like so you know that i haven't had like any time to go play paper magic because of school you know right so right. uh school got out and i've had some free time and ryan was like hey you want to come play a uh, pioneer on Monday at uh, Common Ground, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, I was like, "Yeah," but I was like, "I don't have a deck." He's like, well, "I can lend you a deck." You know, blah blah blah. And like, just let me know what you need. I was like, "Okay, cool." So, um, I was looking through my car. Like, so I was looking for a deck to play. It was going to be something red because that's most of what I have. And I found a deck to play. And by the time Ryan showed up, 
I only needed to borrow eight cards. Which nice. I was like, damn. Like, I was just, I thought that was so cool. Like, I hadn't even been thinking about building a Pioneer collection. You know, I just happened to have some cards left over from rotation. Right. Uh, that, um, and only the last rotation too, not even like anything previous, because I sold most of that stuff. Right, right. Like you're, um, you're talking about, like when Dominaria rotated. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, um, I wound up, I wound up spending like twenty five bucks on some cards, you know. Mm-hmm. But then by the time, he, and I traded for a couple cards while I was waiting for him. By the time he got there, I was like, I, I got most of it, man. Just give me these eight cards, and, right? And I was good to go. And I, I just think that's pretty wild. And um, the format's a lot of fun. I mean, I don't think this is news to anyone, but it's news to me because I hadn't really been playing. Uh, and, you know, I think I was kind of peering over the, you know, peering over the horizon waiting for uh, Oko to be banned. So, you know, that happened. And I was yep. like, oh, okay, it looks like it'll be fun to play now. And I think that's what all formats are like in Magic now. People going, is Oko banned yet? No. Uh, look, I already broke the rule. But, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, you know, I showed up. I played some Pioneer that first week. I went two and one. Uh, and I got to say, I played the most exciting game of Magic that I've ever played in my entire life. Literally the most exciting game. So I was playing against Hazel, who was playing a uh, – what's that, what's that called? Black, white, green. Whatever those – Oh, Abzan? Those, Abzan, playing like an Abzan, or maybe it was even green white, some sort of. No, 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 it wasn't Abzan. It was Bant. It was definitely okay. Bant. Because I, I actually thought Spell Queller was a blue black card until this match. And I was wow. like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, You're like, I don't, it's yellow. I don't ever, yeah, right? I don't <laughs> ever I play cards, it, man. So, or like, not in papers. So, and, I, and I don't really play Eternal Formats that often. So I was just like, oh, it's a blue white card. Really great card. Um, long story short, we went to game three. Uh, we went to time. We went to turns. Hazel had two opportunities to draw and kill me, but last card was drawn, extended the hand. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it, was, I, I, it sounds like it was like a, a Bant Spirits kind of kind of deck. Something uh, like Bant that, Flash but I was running um, the uh, Fleece Mane Lion. Okay. And uh, – it was running some other stuff. I mean, it was it was basically like a Bant mid range. Sure, sure, that makes kind sense. Of deck. It was really it was a really good deck, and I did not know how I was going to win, <laughs> but I managed to pull it out, and it was just the wildest game. If Hazel had drawn anything and beat me, it would have been just as exciting. But right. you know, obviously, winning's more exciting. Right. But, when it comes uh, down to something like that close, it's always fun, no matter who wins, because you're like, right. no, it could go either way based on right. just, like, the top of the deck, and that's it. Mm-hmm. For sure. We were both, like, really, like, elated at the end of the match, right. you know? It was just such a great match of Magic, and, like, that's the kind of experience you need to have to really, like, kind of hook you into a format, you know what I mean? And, right. like, having that experience, I was like, okay, all right, so this is Pioneer, huh? All right. right. Like, a, a format where both players get to play, you know? Yes. And, I mean, obviously, every format is going to have... A bit of a bit of 
uh, this kind of thing, a bit of the, the kind of situations where, you know, you you don't get to play, but that's that's part of the game, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, I got mana screwed, I got stuck on two land, something like that. Um, so it's not like, oh, Pioneer, you never get mana screwed, and you all, it always comes down to, you know, <laughs> two turns and top decks. <laughs> like, uh, it, it's... But it's a fun, uh, it's a fun format now. I really think they've done a great job as far as keeping certain kinds of decks out of the format. And now, you know, officially as of yesterday, the Pioneer announcement is going to be synced up with the regular BNR announcements. So, uh, so there's no more special Pioneer BNR announcement happening on Mondays after lunch. Uh, now it's just kind of, it's going to all happen at the same time. So we do have, they did say next Monday is this next scheduled announcement. And, uh, you know, I know they said they were going to change things to where they don't have any, it's not, it's not really on a schedule. Sort of like, we know we're going to announce bannings on Mondays and uh, that's about it. You know, like that, that's, there's no schedule otherwise. But I wonder if every Monday we're going to get a no changes, like confirmation, or do we just not hear anything? Uh, because they did mention in the article last night, like the next announcement is Monday, January 13th. So that's, you know, Monday. So I'm guessing well, maybe, maybe we are going to get... Give us, maybe they're just going to give us a heads up when they plan on it, if they have a date they know they're going to do it. You know, like, yeah. I think that in general, it'll be like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But also, you know, specifically, we know we're going to do it this day, so one week notice kind of thing. Um, this, uh, the event that they're, in, like, the event they're announcing ahead of is like a modern event, right? What are you talking about? Like next, the weekend after? I think so. You know I what? I'm not so. even. I'm not even sure. I feel like once we're we're now in the new year, and my brain is completely scattered as far as like schedules. For like, sure. What's, what's today? I look at my phone or my watch. You know, which mm-hmm. I actually wear a wristwatch. Which you know, I guess I'm an old man. Uh, but yeah, you know, like what? No, what day wrist is watches it? are cool again because they have computers on them. Well, mine's mine's just a regular, you know, three hands watch. You know. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, which I bought on the Magic Cruise in 2010, so it's a 10-year-old watch. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, they sell watches on cruises? That's wild. Uh, yeah, they do. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going but, out into the open sea. You know what I think I should buy? A watch. Well, oh my gosh, there's tons of weird things you can buy on a cruise ship. It's <laughs> it's basically like a mall on on a boat. That's it. You know, So like anything you could buy in a mall, you can buy on a cruise ship. Um Anyway, you, so you said you you played something red. I want to hear more because yeah. I all I know now that's in your deck is mountains. So so I yeah. played I played mono red prowess, okay. um, and it was kind of thrown together. You know, I mean, like I said, I threw it together kind of from stuff I had. There were changes I would have liked to make. There are changes I will still make. I, the list that Ryan posted on our Discord is a lot better of a list than I had access to. Um, uh-huh. So his and list I, was like, you know, four shock, four wild slash, four soul scar mage, four crash through, four uh what's the other one? Warlord's Fury. Yeah. Um a couple copies of Blister Coil Coil Weird. There were runaway Steamkins. Um and then there were Skewer the Critics and Light Up the Stage. Uh Mine was I, pretty close to that. Okay. Um I, I think I ran did I run up I wound up running two of the um Bedlam Revelers, and I'm not sure I'm crazy about that card, but I just need to play it more. Yeah. Um, oh, I think again, it's got like such said, high list... upside. Like that's like the ceiling on that card is so crazy with in, a, in an aggressive deck. Uh, right. But yeah, when it when it's not good, it feels like why am I playing this card? Yeah, I just uh, haven't played it enough, 
honestly, yeah. and I need to play more to really get a feel for it. Right. Um, so that was what I played that week. The following week, um, I actually went and played again, and I, I went one and two that time, but still had a lot of fun. Uh, I was playing more of a burn deck that time with like the full Wizards Lightning package mm-hmm. <laughs> and the um, whatever the two one is that hits for two damage when it enters the battlefield. Oh, Viashino Pyromancer. That and the Gitu Lava, Lava Runner. Runner. I was yep. running th- that package. So like standard from like 12 weeks ago or something, right? Like, <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> um, that's why you had all the cards, right? Yeah. Like, but that's the beauty of Pioneer. It's great. Uh, yeah, it is. It really is. Um, I love the interaction between Chain Whirler and Soul Scar Mage. A lot of people miss that. Like, oh, yeah, the minus one, minus one counters. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just a really cool... Uh, interaction there. Let's bring let's bring some creatures down to earth a little bit. Um, and what I'm building towards currently is I'm building towards uh, Red White Burn because I really want to play Boros Charm and I really want to play Chain to the Rocks out of my sideboard. Um, nice. And uh, I'm going to build towards uh, Feather because mm-hmm. I realize I have most of the cards for that too already. I was like, oh, I need like eight cards or something. Um, That's and awesome. And then the red, uh, the Embercleave deck, okay, uh, which I think you actually had the chonky red, I guess is what they were calling it. That's what apparently, I, I don't know where, it sounds like it came from Todd Anderson saying chonky. which is, I'm the one that started calling it chunky first. Well, you said chunky last episode, like you were going to make chunky a thing because everybody says spicy, so why not say chunky? Uh, so somehow the universe decided to go along with that, and Todd Anderson is saying chonky, and... Uh, and he calls it chunky red. It's it's kind of like a bigger red deck, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, if you can't tell, I apologize for the sniffling, but I'm getting over a cold, and this is relevant to the conversation. Unforgiven, uh, but never forgive you at all. Uh, I'm getting over a cold, but I was feeling great like Sunday. It was like the first day where I'm like, ah, oh, I feel so great, and it's like I'm in such a good mood. And then it's like my willpower is completely gone. I'm just like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy a deck. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but I was in like this great mood, and it's just like, sure, I'm going to buy a deck. So I had all these cards in my cart, which I know I mentioned to you like last week. I'm like, uh, I don't want to, I don't need to just buy every cool deck that I see. Um, but I did buy this one. So Sunday uh, evening or Sunday afternoon, uh, Harry MTG, who I don't know his last name, but I know him as Harry MTG. Uh, he is a blue white player, and he. Uh, he decided to play the, MT- the, the, the MTGO Pioneer Challenge over the weekend with the deck that he felt was the best in the format. Big Red, of course, <laughs> from the blue-white player. Uh, but yeah, he and he ended up winning it, winning the whole thing. So he did a, uh, a whole YouTube video on his Top 8 experience. So, like, he recorded it, recorded the Top 8 while he was playing, and then he went back and did commentary so he could actually focus on the matches while he was playing. But it was, it was a lot of fun. I already watched that. Um, we'll link it in the show notes, but he, um, yeah, it, it, like the deck, I don't know if it originated from Todd's stream. I get the, uh, uh, I get the sense that Todd's, Todd Anderson's, uh, was, was playing it weeks ago. So, um, that's as far as I know the origins of the deck, but it's playing, uh, you know, the wild slashes, uh, it's playing goblin rabble master. Some play a couple copies of Legion war boss. Uh, Harry's didn't. Um, and, uh, I saw Todd a few weeks ago was playing, I think it's called Handware Battlements. Um, does yes. that card sound familiar to you? Yes, <laughs> I own them now. Okay, good. Uh, 
And then, so Goblin Rabble Master, Legion Warboss, Goblin Chain Whirler, something Harry was playing, um, but I don't think Todd had it in, in the list that no, I was watching. No, because he has the Battlements and Garrison package in there instead, because... Okay. I mean, because this doesn't have that pack. I'm looking at the list right now. This doesn't have that package, right? So uh, he's not he's not running bad elements, but right. um, so there's some flex slots in there, and like the three drop slot, like Chain Whirler can go there. But yeah, the Soul Scar Mages are there. The Lightning Strikes, um, and uh, and it goes a little bigger, right? So you get the Chandra uh, Torch of Defiance. You get Glory Bringer mm-hmm. on the top end, and yep. uh, and so yeah, it's not like this low to the ground aggro mono red aggro deck or or mono red burn deck like you're saying um or even really a prowess deck because it's just got soul scar mage and i think that's the only prowess creature that most of the lists are running but like you said like um uh, we're seeing green like green decks stompy green decks and green ramp decks all over pioneer and being able to play a soul scar mage and then lightning strike a five five to make it a two two is awesome right like it is. <laughs> it's like okay they went you know, turn one elf, and I don't have a way to, to shock it or wild slash it. Maybe I don't have the wild slash in my hand, so I'll lead on Soul Scar Mage. And then on turn two, they play, you know, some huge 5 5, like Love Struck Beast or something. And you're like, all right, fine, my second turn, I'll lightning strike your 5 your five, 5. So now you've got a 2 2 that can only block, or no, it can attack if you've got the elf. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know, you've got a 2 2. So bringing these creatures down to earth or, uh, or at least bringing them into more of a burn range or block and kill range uh, is is great. And um, I don't know, this deck just looked like a lot of fun. And so when I, I decided to buy into it, I haven't actually played it yet. I've been spending my time watching other people play it so I can <laughs> I can learn more about it because this was you know literally Sunday night. And I decided to buy it, but that has Embercleave in it. Um, yes, and I think that's what you were you were saying and. Uh, yeah, it it looks like a fun deck, and I feel like I want. I don't know what it is. I really like. I play blue white most of the time. That's like my my deck. But I want always want something that's completely on the other end of the spectrum, you know, where it's more aggressive and linear and proactive. And so I think well, I you just need to switch gears. I mean, because I think that like before you used to just play blue white to the death and right. like. If blue white wasn't good that week, you know, you hated magic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and I think it's a good way to like kind of manage tilt, you know? Um yeah. because like if you're like, man, blue white just isn't doing it for me right now, you just go, Okay, put it back in the box and pull out the red deck and crack some skulls for a few days. You know what yeah. I mean? Like and then you're like, All right, all right, you know, got that out of my system, let's go back to to what I love. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just kinda keeps you from Wanting to, because like if 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 you're feeling frustrated with your deck and it's the only deck you have, then you're frustrated with the entire game of Magic, or at least the format. But if it's yeah, the, yeah exactly, you're right. Like it's just being able to change gears and go to another deck. I know not everyone has the luxury of playing multiple decks, but um, but if you do, this is this is a nice <laughs> a nice way to sort of um, like you said, manage tilt. I like I like thinking of it that way. Yeah, um, so like you know, like for me, like I'll play Red Prowess, and if that doesn't do good, I'll play Red Burn, and then if that doesn't do good, I'll play Red Embercleave, and uh, so you know, I mean, I like to switch gears too, man. Um, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> uh, they are but different. By the way, this they're, deck, they're different enough. Uh, a little bit, yeah. This deck, I'm only missing the Rabble Masters, the Mutavaults, the Chandras, and the Ruins from the main deck, which is like you know all the expensive cards, but or, or that's difficult okay. to find. Yeah, like. 
it feels like it's difficult to to get a hold of Wild Slash and Remnant Ruins. And yeah, I've got the slashes. I had okay. to tra- I traded a, a promo foil questing beast. Oh wow! For what? Four for slashes. Like, for like some wild slashes and some other stuff that didn't feel good to trade a questing beast for, wow. but it was to John Trout, and I love John Trout, so I was like, you know what, cool, like I'll get the cards I need for this deck, and okay, I guess wild slash is worth five dollars somehow. Fine, whatever, you know, like, right? It's like, okay. what other choice do you have? It, this is right. this is what it is, you know. So you I don't need- want to play a foil questing beast in my deck anyway, so I'm like, well, I've got to do something with it. Right, exactly. Trade it for stuff I will play. That's fine. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, like I said, Pioneer's been really, really fun. I've been having a great time with it. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing more of it in paper, so which means, you know, in two weeks I start school again and I'll have no time to ever do anything again. Uh, <laughs> but that's well, okay. that's why we have the, the Card Hoarder Loan Program, too. You know, you that's don't have true. to find paper matches to uh, to play. You can play them online. Very true. Very true. Um, speaking of paper cards, there's this new set of paper cards. But you want well, to talk I, about something I, else? I don't want to jump into that yet because I still have some stuff to say about another deck. Do it. Uh, yeah, and, and this is, you know, we talked about red. You, you've been playing red. I'm going to be playing red. But I have been playing blue-white as my main deck, which, of course, is not a shock. That's and right. I know I've mentioned it in previous episodes. But that's the deck that I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. I got frustrated with it playing in paper uh, magic a few weeks ago but i think that was more um a case of being uncomfortable playing paper magic <laughs> because i don't ever do it uh you know just it it feels like um it's a different experience i'm playing online and i'm i'm getting used to that and then i go and have to play in paper and it's just like the the me- like physical mechanics of managing things it just felt like it put me off uh off my game so um anyway Aside from that, playing it on Magic Online, um, I've I've been playing Blue White and I love it. And the the list there are two lists right now that I like a lot. Um, the, there's one that I kind of prefer, but the other one I like to uh, I'm still kind of considering. So the first one is uh, Philip Skornicki or Skura on Magic Online and uh, Islands in Front on Twitter. Um, I've been kind Crime. of talking with with uh with Skura over the last few months i think i think since summertime because we started talking about it about modern um and so i was getting a lot of uh a lot of information and sort of you know mentoring a bit from him <clears throat> excuse me uh over the summer for modern blue white and so now uh, he's been crushing it in pioneer he's got like something close to a 70 percent win rate with blue white uh, in Pioneer, he's got a spreadsheet on Google Docs linked with all his matchups and and his win rates, and he's uh, he's kind of just putting out all this information. He's got an entire, I think it's like an eleven page document going over the deck and like kind of his um, his logic reasoning behind certain card choices. Um, we're going to link all this stuff in the show notes if you're interested at all in blue white, whether it's to play it or to play against it. I think this is this is something that you definitely want to read, whether or not you go with the exact 75 uh that he he recommends but um yeah he put an he even a separate document entirely about the the blue white mirror which is super helpful because you know just coming from uh years of of playing blue white mirrors i hate i hated the mirror match and i always felt like i it was just a difficult thing to navigate and i think you know reading this made it me feel a lot more comfortable with it at least in blue white and pioneer um 
<clears throat> but one of the things about about Skura's list that is a little bit um, notable is he's playing two main deck copies of Spell Pierce, and I think like it is it's so good that comes up so often. Even just you know being able to Spell Pierce a turn one discard spell is nice, um, but it feels like so many decks are playing on curve, and and most decks have you know some good non creature. Uh, targets like Chandra Torch of Defiance is the first one that pops into mind but uh, I mean there's obviously tons but we were just talking about red decks um, but just being able to have a, a tempo spell that can you know for one mana and people aren't really usually expecting it uh, when you've just got one mana open Spell Pierce has just been so good um, and uh, he's not playing any copies of Censor so this is something that the other list which is Gabriel Nassif's list um Nasif is going in a different direction. He plays four copies of Sensor, no Spell Pierce. He plays main deck Elspeth. Um, but I think with, uh, you know, Skura's logic with Elspeth is like, this card does nothing and it, it clogs up your hand until way late. And yeah, you can turn the corner fast, but you can also just win without it uh, with cards like Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and Castle Ardenvale. Um you know, from my perspective, I have to say I love when you I love sticking Elspeth because it does feel like once you play it, it's so hard unless they've got something like Assassin's Trophy or something to deal with it right away. Uh, it's so hard to to beat an Elspeth. Uh, at the same time, I don't like having cards clogging up my hand. You know, you you your opener has an Elspeth in it, and you're like, well, I have a six card hand. You know, or I've, I've already mulliganed until way later in this game, and I'm I need to survive the early game. That's the part. You know, that's the hard part for any blue white deck is surviving the early game, especially against like a, you know, an aggressive opponent. So, um, I don't know. I, I, right now, I've been going with Skura's version, but I do like. I've been watching Nasif play his version, and that looks good too. Sensor is such an interesting card because. Um, it kind of is like half an opt, right? Like if, if you needed to, right. if you just need to draw cards, like that's what, how Nasif seems to use it. He like basically um, cycles it more than he plays it. It's, it's almost like it's there primarily to cycle. And if somebody runs a spell out there and without the mana to pay, he's like, oh, <laughs> I can use sensor's second mode and counter the spell unless <laughs> they pay one, right? Like it's that's what it seems like to me. And I, I like that. <clears throat> I like that kind of play pattern where you're not really planning to use sensor as a counterspell. You're kind of using it more like a, a, to hit your land drops or, or half an opt or something. Find find something that you need. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I think I like the idea of playing just a, a copy or two of sensor almost to you know make your opponent play around it. Especially if you're you cycle it early. You, you have your one copy of sensor and then you cycle it. And now guess what? Every turn they're like they have to worry. Are they if they tap out for something? Is it just going to get censored? Even if you only have one in the deck, and we've we've heard that logic before with cards like Mana Leak and and Spell Pierce and anything like that, where um, sometimes you just play something as a one of, and your opponent plays around the other, you know, two to three copies the entire game, uh, and that that's an advantage for you. So I kind of like censor in that respect, but I haven't haven't been going with it um, because I've just been having such a great time and great success with Skura's version. Um, but yeah, we're going to link those in the show notes. I'm just going to link Nasif's uh, Twitch account because he doesn't... I mean, I mean, he probably has a list somewhere. I can probably find that, but I've just been watching him on Twitch, so it's, that's like where I'm seeing his deck list. Um, 
but I'll, I'll link both. And of course, I'm going to link Skura's documents, his Google Docs, to uh, to read over. But I, I really think I highly recommend it if you are interested in playing or beating Blue, White, and Pioneer, just to kind of see the the thinking behind some of these cards. Um, it blows yeah. my mind how like you know it's 2020 and what spell pierce is good like i mean yes yeah, spell pierce is good it's like saying right. like pizza tastes good like <laughs> right. yeah pizza tastes good it's pizza it's amazing like uh, how are these decks not already running like a million copies of spell pierce i'm just surprised i didn't run into spell pierce yet you know like yeah i mean uh, the- i don't know well, spell pierce is good. The less people are playing it, the better it is. So that's that's part of it. Um, the other thing is there are just so many. Like Pioneer is such a wide open format. And you kind of start looking through like how how many blue counter spells are there available in the format that cost three or less. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. even co- copies or uh, cards like Summary Dismissal are seeing play in sideboards, and that's what I've seen Nasif playing. That one's for it's a. Uh, counter spell that kind of counters all abilities on the stack. So it's for the the Ulamog, like for the ramp decks, right? Like people casting their their Eldrazi that are going to have like an ability, you know, their their creatures on the stack. Also, the ability, you know, when you cast is on the stack, and so it's like, okay, I'll pay four mana and just exile the entire stack. Right. So um, so it, there's just a lot of options, and so that's why you're not seeing spell pierce is kind of like people aren't making room for it, um, and maybe. Maybe that's wrong, maybe maybe not, but right now when it's seeing uh, play only sometimes in some of these decks, I think it's at its best. When everybody starts running it, then you start cutting it because everyone's playing around it, you know? Right, that makes sense. Uh, you know, another thing, you said this format's wide open, and you're right. Like, So the one interesting thing that I've figured out uh-huh. um, over, you know, two weeks of playing in paper, not a lot of time playing in paper, but still, uh, is that the format isn't like super dumb. Like it is wide open. Like there's a lot of different decks and like there are decks that feel like totally brick walls for my deck. Like I played against like one of the mono green ramp decks and I was like, what do I do? I guess I just lose, you know, is what I basically was my conclusion. I guess I lose. Right. Um, but you don't play against that deck every round. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. that's the interesting thing is like, you know, there's not one deck that every single person is gravitating towards um, that makes the that deck feel oppressive. You know, right. like in in a vacuum, like in in a single round scenario, sure, you are oppressed by a deck you can't get around. But yeah. but it's not like oh, I played eight rounds, six mono green decks. You know, like right. even though mono green ramp is very very good. Right. You know, like. It's not so good that you're dumb to play something else. Yeah. And I think that's the mark of a good format, you know, like where you can play the deck you want to play and have fun with it. And then someone else can play the deck they want to play and have fun with that. And like, even if their deck in like a head to head is way better than yours, it's not the only deck in the format, you know? And I, and I think that's the thing I like about it. You right, know, it's a matchup thing. It's a matchup thing. Like sometimes right. you're going to have a bad matchup. It's just just exactly. the nature of the format. Sometimes rock has just to play against paper, and that's what happens. You know, that's right. And that's I think to me, ideally, what they're going for anytime they're they're sculpting these formats is something like a rock paper scissors 
metagame where you have equal parts of each. And so, like, yeah, sometimes you're rock and your opponent is scissors, and you're like, great. But sometimes you're rock and your opponent is paper, and you just lose. Um, there's a lot more nuance to it, but generally you want there to be um, kind of a balance in the, the ecosystem, right? It's kind of like, you know, the survival of the fittest, you know, or, or the food chain is kind of where it goes, right? But then the tiniest thing in the food chain somehow beats the biggest thing because it's like bacteria and it kills the, the shark or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like that that you want that sort of circle. And um, and I think that's sort of where Pioneer is right now. Um, but yeah, when you start seeing a deck really dominating and having matchups uh, having a positive win percentage against way too many of the other decks, that's when there's a problem. So that's what I think they were trying to, that's where they were trying to get us. And I think we're there now for the moment, but they're watching it to keep it balanced. And I, I really appreciate that. And I don't know, I love, I love Pioneer right now. It's basically like the only format in my head. Uh, as much as, as much as I want to say, you know, modern is my favorite format, uh, up until fall 2019. Now that Pioneer's around, you know, I I like modern a lot too, um, but and it doesn't I, hurt that modern looks like absolute garbage right now. But anyway, I think I think if Pioneer didn't exist, I'd still be okay with modern. But I think something be, needs to happen. Oh, we'll, we'll skip over discussion. Oko, you'd be oko with modern. I'd be oko if. with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I I think something needs to happen in modern that has happened in what? standard and and what needs uh, to happen? What needs some, to happen? Something that has already happened in standard and Pioneer um, <laughs> over the release of a new set. Well, that's coming up. Theros Beyond Death, baby. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about it. So I, I want to start with a card that's way off your radar. Well, maybe not because I mentioned it in the Discord chat. Oh, okay. Uh, and everyone's going to go, really? Is this a card you want to start with? Yes, it is. Uh, I want to start with Terror of Mount Velus. That's the number one on my list. No, I didn't. we didn't rank these, and it's not on my so, list. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, so Terror of Mount Velus is in the planeswalker deck and or one of the planeswalker decks which is what we're calling the intro decks this month um right terror of mount velus is five and two red which is an awful casting cost creature dragon flying double strike five five right when terror of mount velus enters the battlefield creatures you control gain double strike until end of turn right so that card is like, eh, you know, I mean, like, it's a stretch. Like, I mean, so the way what I was looking at it for was the fact that it has an enter the battlefield double strike trigger, which is a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. there was that six mana card that was like creatures gain lifelink and double strike until end of turn or whatever it was. And it was really good. I forget what set it was from. I think it was from like the last, was it Theros? No, it was uh, whatever, I don't know, Cargan, Cargan. Dragon Lord, I don't know. Cargan Dragon Lord is not, that's not that. (laughs) Zendikar, World Wake, Rise of the Eldrazi, something like that. Anyway, whatever. So, I was thinking about this card and about the double strike coming out and uh, the one thing we we realized was like, uh, Eren Crag's feet Mm -hmm. can cast this on turn four. Yeah. You know, Uh, so that's kind of cool, right? So that was like, okay, I like that, you know. So then... I started thinking about this card here, Perforos Bronze Blooded. So, uh, wait, is that another Planeswalker deck? No, no, you said Perforos. I'm sorry, I thought you said Pelucranos because I'm like, no. that's not what the Pelucranos card is called. No, um, go ahead, Perforos Bronze Blooded. Okay. Um, 
this is an actual card from the set. It's a mythic rare. It costs a red and four. It's a legendary enchantment creature god. It's indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is less than five, Perforos isn't a creature. Uh, it's a seven six, by the way. Other creatures you control have haste. And then it has a red and two. You may put a red creature card or an artifact creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So, uh, let's it's sneak take, attack. Take a, yeah. yeah, essentially, yes. It's sneak attack on, on a creature that could possibly also attack. So, so we'll take a walk with me here. So, um, so we've got Perforos on the battlefield, right? Okay. Uh, we untap with it, for hopefully. And then we pay a red and two. And we play Ilharg the Rage Boar, right? We drop Ilharg, we swing with it, we drop the dragon, and we're attacking for, like, over 20 damage. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a life goal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder how often that will happen. But yeah, like, that's... I mean, I guess I mean, the, the thing is they it, need they need removal, right? Like, yeah. if you can't... Like, you're... Uh, the the perforos isn't a creature, and so it's not as easy to remove, theoretically. Uh, and you're not you're not attacking with that anyway. You're, you're are you saying like, oh, wait no wait no you can't attack with it yet because you even can't, if you're well the- you could if you had um so so when you drop you, if you have two more red devotion on the battle then you can't can. attack okay so but so it really depends on I mean you've got and you've got four turns to make that happen or three you know right. what I mean yeah let's t- say turns, you play yeah. uh, Torbrand. Right, that's three red right there, you right. know, and you're getting the bonus damage. Yeah. So, well, wait a minute. So, it, how much does Perforos cost? How much? A red and four. Okay, so it's a five drop. Okay, sorry for some reason it I is thought a five it was drop. A four drop. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you're right. You have four turns to to make it happen. All this stuff is all like way up the curve. It's definitely a more of a big, you know. Oh big yeah, red yeah. No, this sure. is big red. I mean, this is big red always. It's certainly not mono red aggro. Right. You know. Um, I mean, you could even go if you're not worried about your devotion. You could even go green red for goose or uh, or the uh, paradise druid. You know what I mean? Like right. to try to, to try to enable this faster, sure. uh, which I actually don't even see that as a bad direction to take this in. Right. I um, mean, gruel is a is a deck too. You know, there are is. there are some good gruel cards out there just from the the Ravnica block. Um, right. Yeah. There's plenty of good stuff, but anyway, I'm not even worried about that. I'm just worried about. Slapping down a terror of Mount Velas, you don't even need the Ilharg. The Ilharg is a is a best case scenario kind of thing, you know. Because right. um, you can go, you can go wild with this. Yeah. You know, and you throw Ember Cleave into the mix. I mean, I don't know where you know what I mean. I don't know where you get the mana for that, but you know, like there's some stuff you can do here. Like there's a lot, there's a lot you can play with here, and and it gets scary fast. You know, uh, I want to put Ember Cleave on a Perforos for my money like real bad yeah i'm thinking like what uh are there any cards whether in standard or pioneer because i think you're all the cards you're mentioning are standard legal but you could just go a little further back and find some interesting options in pioneer but i'm like are there any kind of uh i think there are but i can't think of them but the sort of creatures that like when they attack put in like two one ones attacking and then like that goes great with ember that's hand Garrison that's right that's what I was I think that's what gave me the idea but something where you're you play ember cleave with that and you're like okay I just I attack with one creature suddenly it's three creatures and I've got this huge discount on ember cleave um I don't know yeah it's, it's it sounds like 
a stretch to make it happen, but I'm sure you can make it happen I don't occasionally. Think so. I think it can happen. Uh, you know, another cool thing about Embercleave is that it counts towards your devotion to red, and it doesn't trigger until it enters the battlefield. So if you have two red devotion on the battlefield already, or three rather, counting Perforos, and then you play Embercleave, you can attach it to Perforos because he's a creature by the time it, it resolves. Oh, okay. You know okay I, mean? so I see what you're saying. So wait, so but Embercleave gets discounted based on the number of attacking creatures, right? Oh yeah, that's true. That's so you true. kind of well, already if you're doing if you need the discount if you don't need the discount, fine. But yeah, if, right. I, I think you, you want the discount. <laughs> you do, you do. But I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking of things. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, like, sure. Yeah. I'm just thinking of things that work with this because this Perforos card is ridiculous. Yeah, um, I mean it's the sneak attack thing. It's like we've we've seen sneak attack for years because it was originally printed in Urza Saga and then it you know saw play in in Legacy at least. Um, as you know, recently as a few years ago, I mean, it might still be seeing play in Legacy. I just don't follow Legacy, so I can't say. But the idea of a sneak attack ability uh, is is kind of insane. So yeah, being able mm-hmm. to uh, build around that is uh, is awesome. The problem is when you don't have Perforos. I guess you want the I- Iron Crag feet as well in the deck, so you have some other enabler to drop like huge creatures uh, yeah. early, but. Um, it's kind of like what is the deck doing on the other turns, um, and and does it interact at all with your opponent? Or are you just constantly trying to play? Are you trying to play any early threats? Really, that's what it is. What are the other thirty cards in the deck? You know, right, right, um, of course. But it is kind of fun to to think about the amount of damage you could do when everything goes right. Yeah, um, well, definitely. <clears throat> so yeah, we we both kind of have a list of just cards to touch on. So or to you know whatever discussed just kind of mentioned but you know maybe we don't hit every card on our list but i I thought this one was interesting um hactos the unscarred uh it's a six one legendary creature human warrior for red red white white so four mana for a six one it attacks each combat if able oh it's a rare um attacks each combat if able so drawback um as hactos enters the battlefield choose two three or four at random Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. Um, it's. I feel like this is worded... I, I feel like everybody's kind of reading it correctly, but we haven't gotten confirmation yet, as far as I know. Uh, but there is some question as to whether you, you... You know, do you choose two, three, or four at random? Say you got two. So does this mean he has protection from each converted mana cost listed on this card? Like, so he has protection from three or four and not two? Uh, or does he have literally protection from all converted mana costs other than the chosen number, which would have been a better way to word it, right? Like, if Hactos right. has protection from one and five and seven and 38, like, why don't you write all converted mana costs other than the chosen number? But when you write each converted mana cost, that's making it sound more confusing to me because that sounds like you're talking about each of these numbers so i i don't know i think it's reasonable to question um but i I do i think it has protection from all mana costs other than the one chosen which is really kind of crazy because it's like a uh um true name nemesis right which is like protection from everything right like uh and be, not being able to interact, you can't you can't block it with a a one drop. You can't block it with a token. You can't block it with a five drop or anything bigger. You can't hit it with 
with uh, Teferi, uh, Hero, Dominaria. Like, these are just by default because it's two, three, or four are on the card. The rest of the numbers automatically, I guess, he has protection from. And that's just kind of kind of crazy. Um, the The things that this card is vulnerable to are, like, sweepers. And then I guess any deck that has, like, a, a reasonable curve and draws... <laughs> the the cards that you know the that he doesn't have protection from so yeah if he if you generate the randomly random number number generator roll a dice whatever uh and you get two then you better hope that you uh that your opponent doesn't have their two drop with one power because you just have to slam right into it you you can't not attack um but I don't know. It's a really kind of interesting design, and it's a little bit difficult to evaluate, especially with the random part thrown in, uh, because generally we don't like playing too many cards that you, you really don't know what they do until they're on the battlefield and you flip a coin or something, you know? Like, you want cards that are reliable, um, but when you look at this card and say, okay, what does it definitely do, if we're reading it correctly? It's protection from converted mana cost 1, 5, and everything higher, and then probably uh, two two more of these other numbers so i don't know it's a it's an interesting card really interesting design it is it's everything okay so yeah i don't, I don't know it's such a weird card <laughs> I, I, I really want it i'm looking at um at twitter trying to find i just searched hactos right Vorthos mike said wait tokens can never block hactos the unscarred oh wow yeah that card is bananas right um so I can't like figure it out, but I do know that a Watsi staff member posted um, that. Uh, where is it? Oh yes. Um, if there's no chosen number for today's preview card, the last ability does nothing at all. It doesn't make it invincible. Yeah. So I guess how would it? There not be a chosen. No, there there was I did see it now I if can't it remember was what it was. Copied or something. Okay, okay, so it doesn't enter the battlefield. Yeah, you just copy it. So yeah, that's that's interesting. If you can't choose, it. so that like that was one clarification. I wish they would have clarified the other part of it where it's like why why is it worded like this? Um, but we'll find out when they release the you know the the release notes in a, a week or a few days or something. Uh, they should have just told us. Yeah, it would be nice if they kind of like out. said, "Hey, here's this new card, and here's how it works." If you know, like to clarify, it would be really good if they put like the release notes associated with each card when those cards were previewed, rather than leaving us all in the dark for a week or two weeks or something. Like, I get it that you give the preview to a certain person and they they preview the card, but then you can list it on the wizard site and say okay now that Hactos has been revealed it, this is on our list of previews and you can click it and read any sort of associated release notes which would include right. like what you just said the uh you know if there's no number chosen thing so i, I don't know whatever wizards, i guess wizards is a lot like our president <laughs> uh just whatever the least sensible option is that's the one they're gonna take <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just, it seems strange. It seems, ob I guess what it seems like is it's obvious to me that you want to, if you have release notes that are sp specific to a certain card, and then that card becomes previewed like two weeks before the, the set's released, like, why don't you release the relevant release notes with it? Like, it just doesn't, uh, and maybe they they have sometimes. I can't say they've never done it that way, but 
it does feel like, hey, this is relevant information to us. So <laughs> it would be cool if you told us. Yeah, just remember this is the same company that announced that there would be no more scheduled announcements and then scheduled an announcement for next week. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to another card. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about two real quick. Okay. Um, just because I want to mention them. Yep. Gray Merchant of Asphodel is back. Yep. Uh, I already got my um, uh, Bolas, whatever. What is that card called? The oh, Bolas of Citadel. I already got a play set of those in the nice. mail this week. Um, and the... Um, friendly colored temples right oh that's that's right are all uh, back so um my temple of abandoned purchase makes a lot more sense well, now now you can play it in standard yeah right you could always right. play it in pioneer though so it no, pioneer didn't exist that's true that's true um also back which i think is funny is uh is field of ruin that's right <laughs> which you know we all kind of talked about for months like after it rotated and said, yeah, it would be nice if we had Field of Ruin. Uh, it, they had it had it in the works, but they should have just put it in Throne of Eldraine and then we would have not had an entire... I mean, we may have had the same situation, but... Just... Uh, anyway. Further proof. It's just kind of funny. Further proof of, like, how slow it is for them to, like, print an answer. You know what I mean? Like, like it'll come out, but we're going to have to ban something first. Up, oh, said it again. Yeah. Quarter in the jar. <laughs> um, but uh, you and know to be fair though Pioneer had Field of the Dead and Field of Ruin at the same time and they still didn't think that was enough so they still True. banned Field of the Dead so maybe Field of Ruin wouldn't have been enough anyway but it is kind of it funny to me been. that uh, yeah I don't think it would have been either especially given how it went in Pioneer uh, but I do feel like it's it's amusing to me that this card kind of just skipped one set um, when it and, and during that gap, they had to ban a land, <laughs> so I just find it funny. Um, yeah, so so that's another card that's back. Um, do you want to read, go in more depth with anything, any particular card, or you want me to? Not really jump with in? those. I mean, uh, oh, well, I mean, I guess with Gray Merchant, uh, one thing I'm interested in is uh, so the the Bolas is what is it called? Bolas Citadel. Yep. Yep. And uh, scheming symmetry and gray merchant. So, like, you go, I got gray merchant, and then you go, I can pay five life for it, or I can draw it, you know, but I, you put it on top of your deck, and then, you know, slap yeah. it down. You can just keep sitting there doing that. Um, I don't know. There's, 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 there's something to be done there. Like, I think a devotion deck is going to, a black devotion deck is going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was last time. Um, in standard when it was Theros standard and you had like Thoughtseize and Pack Rat. Um, so it's going to be a different, it's going to have a different look to it, but having the Grey Merchant back is uh, is a good incentive to go with that kind of strategy again and or explore it, I think. How come there's not as many people playing Pack Rat and Pioneer as there should be? I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I know I've seen people suggest it. I've seen it, it in some lists. I've seen, I've seen it in some lists, yeah. but like Pack Rat was so good, and I kind of feel like I think I'm going to try to play Pack Rat. <laughs> you know, why not? I have, you know? I've seen people mention it for Mono Black Aggro now that Smuggler's Copter's gone, but I don't think many of the lists have gone that way. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's not as good as 
uh, you know, not as good in all situations. It was re- very good. It seemed very good in standard. Like, basically, there's a lot to say. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a card I think we'll see a little bit of play, and I think it's actually going to take a lot of time to discuss, maybe, but um, Euro Titan of Nature's Wrath. So it is yeah, a Titan. I know we were calling them Titans, but then I said, wait, no, they're they're Elder Giants. Uh, anyway, Euro Titan of Nature's Wrath is a legendary creature, Elder Giant, Mythic Rare, 6-6 six, six for a blue, a green, and one. You heard that correctly. It is a three-mana 6-6. Six, six. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. Whenever Euro enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life and draw a card, and then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Uh, so it's kind of a growth spiral effect there, plus three life. Um, and then the escape cost is blue, blue, green, green, exile five other cards from your graveyard. Um, this is uh, apparently a cycle. I don't know if we're going to get all ten, because these are enemy colors. We've seen an ally color, uh, a red-black one. So we know there are, you know, it's not just all the enemy colors or all the allied colors. Um, I, but again, I, I don't know if we're going to get all ten of these. That's ten mythics of the set. Uh, so, I, and we know we have multiple planeswalkers in the set. So I don't know how many, uh, spa- how much space they have for more of these. But I'm going to guess we're not going to see the whole cycle or all ten. But either way, we're getting these Titan cards back. They throw back to the old Titan cycle of Primeval Titan, Inferno Titan, Frost Titan, Grave Titan, and Sun Titan, which um, you know, ten years ago or whenever it was, nine years ago when they were they were printed. Uh, I think it was M11 was the initial printing, and you know, standard was wide open. You could play any Titan you wanted. Um, <laughs> that was the metagame. You had to be playing a Titan, or at least it felt that way. Um, so these, with their uh, enter the battlefield and then attack trigger effects, uh, definitely throw back to that. They're sick. Well, this one's a 6-6. Six, six. I, I don't know. The red-black one, I don't think that's a 6-6, six, six, is it? 6-6. Six, six. It is a 6-6. Six, six, six. Six. Oh, okay. Then for some reason I thought it wasn't. But, okay, so maybe they're all going to be 6-6s six, with some sort of ability like this. But it's really, um, I think the design, like the idea of this, of this is great, right? Like you can't just... You can play it, it it enters the battlefield, but then you have to sacrifice it, and so they have to escape. So the idea of, like, we're going to make a callback to the old Titans, but they have to come back from the graveyard to actually be on the battlefield for any length of time, uh, I I love the the design of it. And exiling five other cards, that's a pretty big cost, even though four mana isn't. So four mana for a 6-6 is a bargain, especially a 6-6 that's getting these kinds of abilities. Um... And uh, but exiling the five cards, that's not easy. So, you know, you think about the what's what's a blue green deck going to do? Turn one, Gilded Goose. Turn two, Euro. Sacrifice it. Turn three, uh, maybe you have four mana because you growth spiral. You use the growth spiral effect and got an extra land in play, but you don't have five cards in your graveyard unless you had some other. Like at this point, you need something else. You need to do more work. So you're not playing this on turn three off of a Gilded Goose on turn one and then, you know, this on right. turn two. So there is some work involved. Um, I, this is just one of the most busted creatures I've ever seen outside of, you know, the only thing it doesn't do is is fuel its own escape. But um, I, I don't know. These, these Titans are going to be nuts, and I think there's going to be a whole lot of interesting... Uh, like combos with them think about something like collected company 
collected company can put this in into play. Now it doesn't stay in play, but just getting all these effects off of a collected company, yeah, <laughs> right? like it's wild. And then and now they're in your graveyard, right? So now you can you, you just kind of you get these effects, and then you basically drew a card because all the these cards are sitting in your graveyard with escape. So you can then cast them off their escape uh, cost. But the thing that doesn't make sense to me about this particular one, though, is the... So it's, you get the growth spiral effect, which is blue-green, right? Like, totally makes sense. Draw a card, put a land onto the battlefield. Like, that's exactly growth spiral. But where's the gain three life coming from? <laughs> from the fact that they just figured Oko needed a support card because it wasn't good enough on its own. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I guess what they're thinking is like, okay, we have this blue-green card, we'll make the, you know, the, you get the, the green ability is the ramp and the blue ability draw card, and then white for white gets three life. Cool, move on. So, have <laughs> I, uh, I haven't actually I seen the artwork for this card. Is it a picture of Gavin Verhey flipping off a basic mountain? You have seen the artwork then. Ah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't get that part of the card. I don't know why that part is even necessary. You've already got because a strong ability. Because they hate mono-red. Well, I, I don't even know if they hate mono red. I just want to say, from in a vacuum, the design of this, it makes no sense why you've got an effect from both colors. Why do you need a third effect? Like, what? Do you, it's not as if, even if you want to say, okay, yeah, green gets life gain, sure. I understand, that's great. So if then no ramp, gain three life, draw a card, sure. But no. like, <laughs> green are, green's ability is already represented. Blue is already represented. Where is this three life coming from? Why? Right. <laughs> I don't the get it. The red-black one for red and black... Um, when Crocs uh, a Titan of Death's Hunger enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card. Then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses three life. So there's a hoop to jump through to get the red ability. Yeah. So because they hate red, but they were like, "Oh, we could just gain three life off of this blue green card because we hate red so much." And then not to mention the fact that this Croxa also fuels your opponent's escape costs. Right. Um, so that seems like a all downside. Why didn't why couldn't they have just said target opponent discards a card and loses three life? Right. Why couldn't I, they have just Well no no said, no. If they want to go through the pattern though, it's target opponent discards a card and loses three life and you draw a card and lose a life. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Like an extra ability that, you know, maybe you just draw a card. I don't know. Right. Like <laughs> Counter the next spell that your opponent casts unless right. they pay two. Something off color, but like I, uh, the reason I said draw a card and lose a life because that's a black ability still. Um, because this, like I said, I understand life gain can be in green. I'm not not arguing that, but I'm saying you've already checked the green box and you've checked the blue box. And so for the red, I mean the the black red you check the black box you check the red box you should always check the red box but apparently you can only sometimes check the red box and what's right. the next ability what's the third ability nothing there's no nothing. third ability <laughs> i don't get it so i guess the third ability is this card costs one less to cast when you cast it <laughs> like literally Yay. one colorless mana less <laughs> because Great. that's the that 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 really is kind of the hidden third ability maybe i i don't know um it's weird i I don't know. I'm really excited to see this whole cycle, and I think, uh, obviously, these cards are going to be good, and they, it's just, it's just weird. Like, I think the design is awesome, uh, but I also have questions. <laughs> that third ability thing yeah. doesn't make any sense on Euro, um, and obviously, green-blue does not, is a color combination that, that does not need the strongest of the Titans, so uh, I don't know this you is going to be the strongest. Can- but you know how you can cheat that thing out, though. I mean, yeah. you're still going to pay four mana. 
but you can escape a lot less with the Croxus. Croxus. Oh yeah. The Coxix. Um, yeah, but you just you're, so you're just paying three mana to get the growth spiral. Spiral. Well, oh wait, wait. What are I'm you talking s- about to cheat this out later? So you could use Underworld Breach. Oh 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 yeah yeah yeah. Sorry. So so no, Underworld Breach is a red and one. It's an enchantment. It's a rare and it's broken. It states each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's converted mana cost, plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. Uh, That's a cool combination I hadn't considered. Yeah, at the beginning of the end step, sacrifice Underworld Breach. So you still have to pay four mana to get your uh, Croxa, but then you only have to exile three other cards. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing something out there, but Underworld Breach is an amazing broken card. Yeah, I was just like, thinking about Underworld Breach with any of the Titans, right? Because now you can play any of them for their initial, you know, converted mana cost, and they've officially escaped, so you get the 6-6. Six, six. It's a little bit more work, but you're getting it, you know, you're getting the 6-6 six, six because it did escape, so you don't have to sacrifice it. So that's kind of insane, like, if you if you have an Underworld Breach and some Titans. I don't know, it's still, it's going to be a mana-intensive, though, right? Yeah, like, it still is. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about that card in general, just because it's an amazing card. Um, it's, I mean, God. Like, I'm just, like, thinking about this with prowess, thinking about this with, like, anything, you know? Right. Um, now you obviously need to have mana, you know? Sure. Uh, so, the thing with, with Underworld Breach is, like, I, I keep forgetting... Or maybe not forgetting, but just like sort of ignoring the fact that you sacrifice it at the end of your turn or the end of whatever turn, it, if you somehow got it during your opponent's turn. Uh, so it's usually you're going to be down two mana on during that turn. It's not like you can play it one turn and the next turn you're like, all right, all my stuff's escaping, right? Like you have to pay the two mana up front. So now you've only got to work with whatever you've got left. But the card is insane. And I know there's like a turn one kill in Modern with uh, with like Emery and Grinding Station and Mox Opals, of course, where you're basically, uh, you know, you, you play the Underworld Breach and Grinding Station mills three cards. So there's the escape cost. <laughs> so every time every time you, uh, you, you exile, every time an artifact comes into, the, comes into play, you can untap Grinding Station. So you tap Grinding Station, mill your stall for three. Uh, play a Mox Opal out of the graveyard or, or you know, wh- wherever. I guess Emery has to have dumped some things in the graveyard too. But you play a Mox Opal out of the graveyard, exile three cards for the escape cost. Grinding Station untaps, tap it, mill yourself for three, loop. You know, you can, you can loop that. And every time you are playing these Mox Opals, you're tapping it for a mana. So you can kind of generate a ton of mana off of this. Um, and you, you're playing a new Mox Opal, you lose the other one... Um, you know what I mean? They're legend, they legend rule each other out, so you always have one in the graveyard or something along those lines where you're fueling your graveyard you're, or you're milling your graveyard with Grinding Station and you're generating a ton of mana with Mox Opal and so eventually you cast something like Jace Wielder of Mysteries out of your graveyard and you win the game because you have no cards left in your library. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's kind of kind of insane. It's a lot to put together, but it exists. Um I don't know. I think the card that comes to mind when I see this is Yawgmoth's Will, which was, you know, black and two, and all your cards in the graveyard were basically, you know, you could cast them until end of turn. Uh, and I think you could even play cards from your graveyard. Like, you could play land 
from your graveyard with Yawgmoth's Will. But Yawgmoth's Will was an insanely busted magic card. And so here's a version of it that costs a red and one. So, uh, you know, red got the Yawgmoth's Will ability. That's kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I really am kind of excited to see what people do with it, but a little bit scared because it feels like it could be totally busted. It could be this set's Once Upon a Time. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not as obviously. You know, Once Upon a Time was um, making so many decks so consistent and it was free. So that's, I think, Once Upon a Time possibly more egregious in terms of design, but Underworld Breach um, actually costing mana gives you a much more powerful ability than draw a creature or a land, you know? So it's, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a card that I'm going to, everybody's going to be watching, but I'm, I'm excited to see what people do with it, mostly in older formats. Yeah. Uh, this, this set is kind of insane. They said that Throne of Eldraine was like the power level they were going for. Uh, in terms of like for for standard now or for sets, they're trying to basically make every set on the level of Throne of Eldraine. Uh, that's a little bit scary considering we l- had two card three two cards banned from Throne of Eldraine in standard, right? We've got Oko yeah. and Once Upon a Time. Nothing else was banned that was in Throne of Eldraine. Uh, Pioneer has those same two cards banned, so you're like okay. They are shooting, you know, for a very high power level with these sets. Um, this so far has not really disappointed me. Now that we're seeing some of these cards, we've got Dryad of Elysia's Grove, which I think is the official name of the card. There was a translation situation happening here, so I'm not quite sure if it was translated correctly. But it's a two-four for a green and two. It's a rare enchantment creature, Nymph. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Lands you control are every basic land type in addition to other types. So this is Exploration and Prismatic Omen on one creature. So, like, you know, we've had situations where we've gotten, like, an old enchantment on a creature or an old, you know, something like that, old artifact on a creature. We had the whole Magus cycle, which is enchantments and artifacts on a creature. But this is, like, two enchantments on a creature. I guess that's because the creature is an enchantment. I don't know. Uh, but a 2-4 that, that blocks pretty well uh, and ramps you and also being able to uh, have your lands be every basic land type. Like, I don't know. This card just seems like a monster. Think about, like, Valakut, right? That's the first thing that pops into my head because now you don't need to play a billion mountains. You just need to play this, and you've got all all your lands are mountains anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, it's nuts. Valakut itself is a mountain. Um, I think there's going to be a ton of, a ton of possibilities with this card, too, but they're, the power level of the set is just crazy um we've got we've got a preordain i'm just going to touch on this briefly but we've got this the omen cycle but the blue omen is preordain but it, it costs one more uh and you can play it at instant speed so you get like a downside but then you get an upside it's a it's omen of the sea it's a common um it's a blue and one it's an enchantment with flash when omen of the sea enters the battlefield scry two, then draw a card that's that's preordain Oh, and it has more upside. You pay two and a blue, sacrifice it to scry two. So uh, this is, like, yes, the one downside of this compared to preordain is it costs twice the mana. That's relevant. But it's everything else, it's got a whole bunch of upside. You get an enchantment that stays on the battlefield, so anything that counts enchantments, permanents, 
uh, anything like that. Any anything that gives you a bonus when an enchantment enters the battlefield, when you cast an enchantment, like you get those bonuses. Um, and it has an ability to scry two a second time later in the game when you need it. So for for three mana, like you can you can continue to use it. So I don't know. That seems that uh, this card seems crazy. Now the red one stinks. Yeah, it was just like just like the pattern is uh, right now. Um, they take like something that was like a, a well loved card and they make it worse and they make it cost three extra mana if it's red. So Omen of the Forge is a red and one. It's flash and enchantment blah. When it enters the battlefield, it deals two damage to any target and you pay three whole mana to get the scry too that you get from Magma Jet. <laughs> Fateful End, which is an amaz- which is a, a terrible card. It's a red and two. It's uh, instant. It's an uncommon, because Lord knows you don't want to open too many of this card. Fateful End deals three damage to any target, scry one. So you get one more damage for one more mana and one less scry as a reward. We're comparing it to so- Magma Jet, yeah. Yes, we're, we're comparing it to Magma Jet, which, you know what, you can delete both of these cards from the card file and put Magma Jet in there, and we'll be way better off. Um, yeah, I thanks. think it's it's funny that Omen of the Sea, like when you compare Omen of the Sea to Omen of the Forge, it's literally shock versus preordain. Well, I mean, <laughs> and the, I, the thing like, is, yeah. you know, if, if you ask any mermaid you happen to see, what's the best Omen? It's Omen, Omen of the Sea. Omen of the Sea, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> that's... Uh... I can't not hear that song whenever I, I read it. Of course, that's a uh, chicken, of the, chicken of the Sea commercial that played over the loudspeaker when you and I worked at Superfresh <laughs> in 1998. Superfresh yes. Food Market. Yeah, that's it's kind of ridiculous throwback there for us, anyway. Um, I know we, we're a little short on time, right? What do we got? Uh, we're, uh, no minutes. How many minutes? No. <laughs> no minutes. Okay, so then we're not just a little short on time. We're going to have to stop now because Joe has to actually work, and so do I. Um, man, we really didn't get to anything. We're going to just have to save these for next episode. Sure. Sound good? Sounds good. Save your list. I will. Well, we also have pre-release to talk about. Sure. Too. I'm going to play in the pre-release Friday night, um, so we should be able to talk about that the following week. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I don't think I'm going to play in the pre-release. I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided, but... I may, I might, I might not. We'll see. But either way, we'll talk about it because you'll have played in it, and we can talk more about Theros cards. Sounds good to me. Awesome. So uh, until next episode, we're Yo MTG Taps. Make them happen.